Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. All right, that awkward silence was brought to you by me. <laughs> Good morning, Painesville Assembly. It's uh, great to be with you. I was, uh, I was with you last fall uh, when Pastor Aaron was taking <clears throat> a little bit of time off, and he's been gracious enough to allow me to uh, come back, and it's a real thrill and honor to do so. This is such a life-giving church, and y'all just need to know that. <laughs> I sound like that tour guide who always says, y'all are the best group I ever had, really. But I'm telling you, um, really, God does cool things in this place. And uh, he is very alive. We know that, but he is alive in this place. So you all are responsible for that. <laughs> and your leadership is so responsible for that. So just really um, excited uh, to be among you. And dads, I want to echo and say... Thanks for being who you are. My word, we can't have enough great dads out there. I had somebody, I was an interim pastor at one time, and uh, I think it was Mother's Day, and the church worship leader said, uh, so let me guess, today you're going to tell the moms what a great job they're all doing, and on Father's Day you're going to tell all of us what a lousy job we're doing. And I thought, you know, that's kind of what we've done for a long time actually in the church. So let me not fit into that and say, dads, you are awesome. It is not easy to be a dad uh, these days. You know, it reminds me of a story of uh, a young man who uh, wanted to borrow the car from his dad. And he had had his license for kind of a short time. And the dad said, you know what, son, can't let you have the keys yet. We've got to address a few things. I need you to work on a few things, okay? I need you to clean up your room, keep it clean for a couple months. I need you to bring your grades up a little bit. Then I need you to get a haircut. And if you can do that, come back to me in a couple months and we'll let you have the keys. Sure enough, two months went by and the room was looking really nice. The grades came up. The hair only got longer. He says, Dad, can I have the keys? He goes, son, you didn't keep the agreement. You're supposed to get your hair cut. He said, Dad, Jesus had long hair. And Dad said, that's right. And Jesus walked everywhere he went. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not easy being a dad. It's not easy. Dads, thank you for investing in your children and in your spouse the way that you do. Uh, I have a speaking and writing ministry called Monumental Ministries, and we try to facilitate um, memory-making moments in people's lives. It's based on the Old Testament principle of people stacking rocks or sometimes changing the name of a location when God would do something important. And we all need those landmarks in our life that we can come back to when we're in the midst of it and we wonder when's the last time God did anything for us or if he ever did, we come back to those landmarks to remind ourselves that he is faithful and that he is good. And so that's what this ministry is about. So if you want to even write down the name mattministry.com and you can look at that later, uh, there are six books available if you'd like to purchase those. They're also on Amazon. And uh, if, if uh, you don't enjoy today, just throw out the address and forget 
you ever heard it. Now, today we're going to look at Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And you know, it's, it's a strange thing. I don't know if you guys have this experience or not. When, whenever I talk to people who don't live in the Cleveland area, they're always very curious about people who live in Cleveland. As, as if we're some sort of a, a circus thing that needs to be on display. And I said, no, it's actually very easy to live here. You know, we, we have our challenges. And uh, they, you know, some still think the river's on fire. And I said, no, that was only about 50 years ago. But thanks for staying up to date with what's going on in our town. And, uh, but you know, what also comes up all the time is the weather. And they always want to know how do we handle the weather up here. And, uh, you know, when it's winter, and especially like today and this week, we have times like this. But in winter, we have to deal with a couple of things. And boy, you folks in Painesville know more than most. Lake effect snow. And lots of cloudy weather. And none of us likes cloudy weather. But some are actually more affected by it than others. Uh, mental health professionals actually recognize this as a disorder. It's called seasonal affective disorder. It's actually what I've titled my message this morning. Seasonal affective disorder. Now, sad as it sometimes is called, it's a type of major depressive disorder due to weather changes, especially in winter. And those who suffer from it can exhibit symptoms like oversleeping or difficulty waking up in the morning, nausea, a tendency to overeat, which of course leads to weight gain, but it can also lead to feelings of hopelessness or worse. Now, spiritually, those of us who walk in Christ, we know from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that there is a time and a season for everything, which means that if we're doing this Jesus thing, it's not always going to be moonbeams and lollipops. There are going to be difficult seasons for us in our Christian journey. So we shouldn't be surprised by that. What we don't want to do when we get into those spiritual winters is falling into seasonal affective disorder. And I have seen Christians do it. And maybe you and I have both sometimes been on the fringe of it. You're going through a season. You're going through a spiritual winter. And nothing seems to be happening. And if we're not careful, we can fall into our own sense of hopelessness. And we can become bitter. And it can send us sideways in our spiritual journey. And I have seen people who have gone off the rails in their spiritual life for very long periods of time because of seasonal affective disorder. Now, the Apostle John, who is called the Apostle whom Jesus loved, he was an amazing holy man. He knew what it was like to go through tough seasons. And when we get to, Re to the book of Revelation, we see that he has served the kingdom well. And by the time we get here to Revelation 1, he is rewarded for his decades of service by being sent to a remote, rocky island in the middle of nowhere for preaching the gospel. It wasn't fair, but it was happening anyway. That's the kind of season I'm talking about. How many of you have been through a season of not fair? I don't know about you, I can turn into a four-year-old really quick. And that's the kind of season that I'm talking about this morning. 
how do we handle those seasons when, not if, when they come? Well, I think we can answer that by looking at John. How did John deal with being in a season, in a spiritual winter? Well, let's examine Revelation chapter 1 to find out. We're going to start at verse 4. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the Spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. The question I want to pose this morning, how did John avoid seasonal affective disorder? How did John avoid sad? And so how do we avoid falling into seasonal affective disorder when we go through a spiritual winter? I think uh, three reasons that I want to highlight this morning will show us. Number one, John avoided it because, number one, he was in relationship. John was in relationship. Now, John is writing to the seven churches of what was then called Asia. Today, we would call it Turkey. And he tells them that he had been exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God, and for testifying that Jesus was the Messiah and the Savior of the world. And he was sent there as an older man in 95 AD, over 60 years from when Jesus was crucified. So this puts John well into his 80s. Now Patmos is an actual place. Today belongs to the country of Greece. It is a volcanic island seven and a half miles long, six miles wide, with almost no trees or vegetation. This is not a honeymoon destination. The definition of a hard season, of a spiritual winter, is when we suffer for obedience to Christ. There's an uncomfortable sentence. Because don't we like to think that if we just do all the right things, that everything just works out? Well, it does. Everything does work together for our good, but that doesn't mean nothing bad happens. And sometimes we suffer even in the midst of following Jesus, even in the midst of walking in his steps and, and, and being a disciple of his and following faithfully. So John, even in his senior years, continues to preach about Jesus' death and resurrection and so the Roman emperor, Domitian, does not like this, and he banishes him to Patmos. And there John lives in a cave. 
Not exactly the retirement plan that John deserved. But here's what's important to note. In this spiritual winter, John refused to slip into seasonal affective disorder. Even while he was alone on Patmos, he refused to withdraw from others. How do I know this? I know this first because he's writing seven churches, even while he's in a cave. And he is about to send them very valuable information from the Lord himself. But in verse 9, he gets more specific. He describes himself as, quote, your brother and your partner, specifically in suffering. And when you and I go through a tough season, the easiest thing to do is to disconnect and disengage from other people. And either we don't want others to know what we're going through, or maybe we're jealous of others in good seasons, or we just want to suffer in silence and solitude, but nothing good comes from it. And if anyone had a reason to pull back, it was John. He had been steadfast, he'd been faithful for decades, and now this? Maybe you've said that yourself. God, I've been so faithful all these years, and look at this. John was there, but he refused to let one season define him. We need healthy people in our lives to remind us of the goodness and faithfulness of God. We need healthy spiritual people who will remind us of who we are in Christ. We need spiritual community. We need teaching from a person who knows us and we're accountable to in order to remind us that God isn't finished with us. We need brothers, sisters, and partners in Christ. You know, one of the easiest things to do when you go through a tough season is to not be in this building. To borrow from the Old West, we just circle the wagons so that no one can get in. Please, I beg of you, don't do that. That's because we miss things when we're not connected. We don't see things as we should when we're not connected. So one of the things I do on the side to pay some bills is I drive for Uber. So maybe I'll see you out there. Be on your best behavior. Uh, uh, recently, I picked up a gentleman at the airport, and I was driving him downtown. And uh, he had mentioned that he had flown in from Los Angeles. I said, what do you do in L.A.? He said, I work for CBS. I said, oh, what do you do for CBS? And he said, well, I'm actually one of the people that decides what shows stay on the air. So I'm just, you know, now I'm going to pelt him with questions because this is interesting stuff. And, uh, and I said, so how do you decide? How do you, how do you decide what show to take off the air? And he goes, oh, it's easy. It's just basically numbers. I said, oh, okay. Well, have you ever gotten backlash for canceling a show? He said, well, do you remember recently uh, a series that we had called Jericho? And I said, well, wasn't it like a summer show? And he said, yeah, it did really well. So we gave it a spot in the fall lineup. And then it didn't do so well. So sometime in the early spring, we decided to cancel the show. And there were about three or four episodes left when we made the announcement. 
Now, apparently, this is what, this is what the guy told me. On the last episode, I never watched the show, but on the, on the last episode, the lead character, the last line he says is, nuts. So people from America who were fans of the show began sending nuts in every form you can imagine to CBS. Pecans, macadamias, walnuts, one guy sent his mother-in-law, all kinds of nuts. We're being... That was lowbrow humor, sorry. And, and the response was so huge that they, they, they gave it another run, and they responded. See, what happened was this guy, in all of his education and all of his experience, was disconnected from the viewers. And when you're disconnected, all you see are numbers. I just want to speak this out to anybody in the room today. If you're getting disconnected from the Lord and getting disconnected from one another, all you're going to see are numbers. All you're going to see is your credit card balance. All you're going to see is your blood glucose number. All you're going to see is your student loan debt. All you're going to see is a number on a scale. All you're going to see is your age. I'm too young. I'm too old. And being disconnected from one another causes us to only look at numbers and not at the reality. John was in relationship. And folks, we need real life people to get us connected again and say, stop believing the lies and remember who you are in Christ. Reason number two why John was uh, avoiding seasonal affective disorder was because he was in the word. And during a tough season, boy, we find ourselves in the great unknown. We're not sure how we ended up here. And <laughs> heaven forbid, if you're like me, I hope not. You just start to analyze everything to death, don't you? If you're like me. I mean, you, you give me long enough, I'll blame myself for world hunger. If you give me long enough. I'll analyze it, I'll get us there. And when you're going through a spiritual winter, the first inclination is to say, what have I done wrong? Or how have I displeased the Lord that I ended up here? And maybe we just analyze every decision we made for six months to death, wondering what if over every one of them. But those unknowns only lead to more unknowns. It is an invitation to anxiety. And this is why we need truth now more than ever. We need to remind ourselves of what is unchanging, what is immovable, and there's no better place for that than the Word of God. It is doubtful that John had any printed scriptures or scrolls with him because only handmade copies could be done at that time. And I doubt Rome would be so accommodating to him. But John had hidden God's word in his heart. And we need to remember the truth of God's word when we're in exile ourselves. And I think that begins by first we need to remember what he's done. And folks, I can't say this enough. More than anything else, the one thing we absolutely must remember is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Now, I threw a loop at you, didn't I? Because, like, wait, the gospel, that's for, that's for lost people. No, the gospel's for all of us every day. Author Jerry Bridges wrote, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. And the further we get away from the gospel, the further away from truth we get. And we need to remind ourselves daily of what Christ has done on our behalf. We need to remember how saved and delivered and freed and forgiven we are. John writes about it in verse 5. He says, and from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. There it is. And I think the Pentecostal church needs to fall in love with the gospel again. We need to acquaint ourselves every day with just what Jesus has accomplished, not just on Easter, but every day of our lives. Because what happens is we won't see people accurately. We won't see ourselves accurately, and we won't see people who don't know the Lord accurately. And we'll think of them as those people. In a recent poll, 20%, one out of five, Republicans and Democrats agree with the statement that their political adversaries, quote, lack the traits to be considered fully human. It's getting dangerous out there. And we as Christians should not feed into the Twitter frenzy and get ourselves into the fray of ridiculous arguments that go nowhere. And seeing people who even vote differently than us as enemies. There is only one enemy and he resides in hell. Everyone else I love. And if I find myself not being able to love people, something is wrong with me. And I'm not thinking about the gospel. I'm not thinking about how ridiculous and, and stupid and bound I was. Did I somehow think I fixed myself? Had it not been for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, where in the world would we be? I guarantee not in this room. And so when I see those who are doing things that I can't imagine, rather than just stepping into offended, I need the gospel to come back to me and realize they are in need of a Lord and a Savior just as much as I was. And am I going to be the person who shows that? And this is why even when we're going through a bad season, we can still be a conduit of Jesus to everyone around us. And the word helps us remember what the Lord has already done and how good he is. Folks, he has a, no, the track record of delivering his children from the most difficult of situations. He is able to deliver us. He has delivered us. He has already won the victory on our behalf. We must be in the word. It keeps us from seasonal affective disorder. And then secondly, we need to remember what he will do. This is also part of the gospel. If we truly dwell on the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is a future 
element to it. The gospel results in ultimate victory. John says so in verse 7. He says, look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him even though, even those who pierced him. And when we're in a tough season, when you're in a spiritual winter, when you're tempted to fall into seasonal affective disorder, we need to remember what awaits us when it's all over. We need to remember what can't be taken away from us. Do you know what I find really interesting is how few Christians are even excited about heaven anymore? So many Christians want to make heaven on earth and they want to get the perfect place with the perfect kids and the perfect wife and the perfect dog and the perfect car, the perfect vacation. Then what's the need of heaven? We can have it all right down here. I am amazed how the church of Jesus Christ is not even remotely excited about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And what we have to do is because we're not in the gospel. We're not in the gospel because we're not recognizing that the victory is already won. So life can do whatever it wants to us because to die is gain. There's still a gain. It's not going to make it all happen now. This lasts such a brief moment. But what waits for us is so glorious. We need to remember what can't be taken away from us. What an employer can't take away from us. What a departing spouse can't take away from us. What the government can't take away from us. What an identity thief can't take away from us. What cancer can't take away from us. What bankruptcy can't take away from us. Only in the word do we find these things. We need to be in the word. God's word is our true north because it resets us. It recalibrates us. It reassures us. And more than any Christian TV show or radio program, better than any preaching podcast we might listen to, we absolutely, positively must get back into the Word of God ourselves. It is still sharper than any double-edged sword. The third reason I believe John avoided seasonal affective disorder was because, thirdly, he was in the Spirit. You will not be able to guess where I'm going next. Being in the Spirit in this scripture, first of all, involves, number one, resting. See? Fooled you, didn't I? Fooled you. You wouldn't guess that. But note that John makes it a point to say, it was the Lord's day. And as a good Jew, even one who wasn't bound by the law anymore, he saw the value of taking a Sabbath and rest day in the Lord. Even on Patmos, even in a cave by himself on a horrible island, John probably still found all kinds of things to do related to the churches and missions, and I seriously doubt he had checked out. But still he points out it was the Lord's day. In other words, I was enjoying my Sabbath rest in the Lord when suddenly... Have you noticed how many great ideas or thoughts you have when you're showering? I do my best thinking. You know, you got the loofah in like one hand and then you're like, oh! One of those, right? It's nothing to do with the shower gel. It has nothing to do with it whatsoever. I don't think. If so, please tell me. I'll, I'll buy it. I think it's because 
it's one of the few times in our life where our minds are truly at rest from the constant bombardment of media and noisemakers in our lives. I mean, how much more is that true when our mind and our heart are at rest in the Lord? Resting means I don't have to be doing something to be valuable to the Lord. I'm not sure what John's daily or his weekly routine was on Patmos, but he's clearly not as active as he was before. His age alone would probably dictate that. For some of us, that could mess with our identity. That can mess with our value. But when we go through a winter season, the Lord may be using it as a way to just get us to calm down, downshift, and be reminded we are not our job. We are not what we do. We are valuable to him even when we're not accomplishing, when we're not doing the tasks or meeting our goals. We need to be reminded God doesn't love us for what we do for him. He loves us because we are his. And that's it. And there's something wonderful and freeing about that. And I think the Lord instituted a Sabbath just for that reason. It's a time to rest and reflect on the greatness and goodness of the Lord. And there's something about our winter season that strips things away from us. And we go, okay, now what makes me valuable? You need to know that when you get downsized. You need to know that when the kids all grow up and go off to college. Now who am I? We need to find a way to rest in the Lord because that is a way that we are in the Spirit. Resting in Jesus means we focus on God's power over our problems. And it means we focus on God's provision over our possessions. Resting doesn't occur when the storm is over. Resting occurs while the storm is raging because we know the one who controls the wind and the waves. Can we choose to remember God's track record today? Can we remind ourselves of the amazing job he's doing at running our lives? Can we once again be convinced of the love that he has lavished on us and that he has not abandoned us? Can we realize that there actually is a reason for this season? Now get this. John had to be exiled, separated from his church in Ephesus that he loved, all the people he loved, all the churches he got to visit. He had to be separated from all of it to this awful place and be completely isolated in order to receive the revelation of Jesus Christ that you and I hold so dear today. Can I say this to you? Those of you going through a spiritual winter, this is not just for kicks. This is not just weird circumstance and coincidence. This is not happenstance. The Lord is wanting to do something in you that could not be done otherwise. The Lord is wanting to reveal something about himself to you that could not be revealed any other way. This isn't just bad luck. There's a reason for this season. 
And John had to go through all of that for the Lord to show up and tell us what will happen in the end. I'm so glad John was in the Spirit that day. And there is something in your winter that God is wanting to do. You know, it's Father's Day. Some in this room have never had a good picture of Father, ever. You may have to go through a spiritual winter to find out you have a heavenly Father who has never left you or forsaken you. He wants to bring the concept of Father to you like you've never known before. And it may only happen through a spiritual winter. Embrace this. Don't relish it, but embrace it. Just say, God, I don't know what you're trying to teach me right now, but I submit myself to it. And if we truly believe the Lord to be the master and the orchestrator of events in our life, there must be a reason for this season. If we can just grab onto that by faith, maybe we can finally be at rest and in the Spirit. I don't want to be an outside-in Christian. I don't want to be a Christian who everything has to be all right outside of me for everything to be all right inside of me. I don't want to be an outside-in worshiper where everything has to be the temperature of the room and the band and the spelling on the slides has to be absolutely perfect and then, then I can enter the presence of the Lord. I want to be an inside-out believer. I want to be an inside-out Christian. And being at rest is inside-out. Even though there's turmoil around us, we decide we're going to be in the Spirit and we're just going to rest in Him. And the second part of being in the Spirit is worshiping. John says it was the Lord's day and he was worshiping in the Spirit. Okay, you know, when we Pentecostals hear a phrase like in the Spirit, right? We start to go, woo! Right? We immediately go toward emotional things. And we, we think, oh, wow, they're in the spirit, right? We think of people almost getting carried away in an emotional frenzy in song, screaming and yelling, almost losing total control of their senses. And the wilder they are, the more spiritual they are, right? They're like, wow, that's in the spirit. At least I hope. <laughs> We're going to call security. But I think they're in the spirit. But folks, being in the spirit has next to nothing to do with how we feel. And this is what pray for the younger generations because of the millennials and, and Generation Z and, and subsequent generations are being brought up to say, if, you, if I can't feel it, it isn't true. Which means there's no room for faith because you don't feel faith. Faith isn't a feeling, it's a decision. It's a belief. And so often we, we can dive into those waters too. And if we're not feeling it, we think something's wrong. But it has almost nothing to do with how we feel. And I, I don't know about you, but I feel like worshiping the Lord maybe 33% of the time. I'm sorry, I know I'm the guest speaker. I should have a higher number than that. Sorry, you don't have to go to my website. And I'm just telling you, that's how often I feel it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's great when we can easily see the Lord's hand working in our lives and he's blessing our family and our finances. But what about when we can't? Which is a majority of the time, by the way. Worship is a choice. It is not a feeling. And we all had to make a choice. Well, first, just to get here today, right? 
Arctic, cloudy, rainy. Right, go to bedside assembly as we used to say in Bible college. We had to make a choice, though. And then even coming into this room, we had to make a choice at the beginning of the service when, when Megan and the band first got everything started and encouraged us to stand and to sing. Most of us in this room weren't feeling it. And I want to tell you, that's okay. That doesn't mean you lack as a human being or as a Christian. It means you're normal. <laughs> With emotions and ups and downs and all kinds of things that happen. But what I do hope is that you made a choice. What I do hope is, even if like standing felt like, the only thing make a stand for this stuff. <sighs> right? I hope we made a choice. We said, you know what? Not feeling it today. Got drama in my life. I don't know how I'm going to pay that this week. But I'm making a choice to worship the one who has made everything possible in my life. That's being in the spirit. I know that sounds really like super clinical and, and not like warm and fuzzy, but I'm telling you, that's like meat and potato stuff right there. That's everyday Christianity stuff. Because we're not feeling it. You're, <laughs> if you're feeling it tomorrow morning, man, you write a book and you go sell a million and speak large conferences. I mean, you are awesome. I, you know, tomorrow morning, <laughs> right? But I got to make a choice. I'm going to have to make a choice and decide that I want to be in the spirit today. I want to, I, I want to be at maximum potential. And the great thing is, <laughs> even if I'm still like completely sloughing off, guys is like, oh, that's fine. Go witness to him anyway. And you're like, okay, you know, the Lord believes us so much more capable than we are. We choose to worship. And when I choose worship over fatigue, when I choose worship over despair, when I choose worship to worship the Lord because of who he is over how I feel, I really am truly in the spirit. So there's John in one of the remotest places on earth, but he makes a decision. On this Lord's Day, John had a choice. Whew. Think about his surroundings. <laughs> Nothing climate controlled going on there. He was in this dank environment, and he was all by himself. And we weren't blessed with the musicians that we heard today. And there was no one in front of him ranting and raving for him to worship and and listen to the gospel like I'm doing right now. <laughs> he didn't have any of that, but he made a choice. He could either be affected by the season he was in and sulk and moan and even shake his fist at the Lord for his circumstance, or he can make the choice to worship. And because he was in the spirit, he was in the perfect place to receive the revelation that we hold so dear today. So if you're going through a winter season, I don't want to minimize that. As a friend of mine says, it probably feels like you're pushing the tranquilized elephant. Nothing is happening. Nothing is working. And you may be going through incredible suffering right now. And it feels so random, and the Lord feels so far away. But it's not our feelings that rule the day. We must be in the Spirit and make the choice to worship the God who is still near to us. And from it can come beautiful things that bless others. 
I want to tell you about a man named William Cooper. We have an old picture of him. His last name was spelled C-O-W-P-E-R, but it was actually pronounced Cooper. He was an English poet in the 1700s. He was given to bouts of despair and depression. His mother died when he was six. His father, who by all appearances was not a good one, sent him to boarding school at 10 and really had nothing to do with him the rest of his life. So he would deal with feelings of abandonment throughout his life. He would go through four distinct seasons of severe depression that would leave him staring out of windows for weeks at a time. At one point, he tried to commit suicide three times and was committed to an asylum. During one of those committals, he found a Bible lying on a bench and began reading it, and it changed his life because he would eventually give his life to Christ. Eventually, his pastor would be John Newton, the man who wrote Amazing Grace. And even still, from time to time, Cooper would go through immense emotional turmoil. But out of it would come poems and even music that, believe it or not, we treasure today. Have you ever heard the phrase, God works in mysterious ways his wonders to perform? That was from a poem by William Cooper 250 years ago. But maybe his greatest contribution is something that many of our churches still use today. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. How many know this song? And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. I am so glad William Cooper chose to be in the Spirit even when he was going through his winters because we are still the, the beneficiaries of what he wrote. As the band returns, I want you to know that in spite of dark seasons, Cooper made that decision to be in the Spirit and he left us with inspiration that has survived for centuries. And I wonder what might come from our life when even during dark seasons, we make the decision to be in relationship with other people of Christ, to be in the Word, to be reminded of God's faithfulness, of the gospel of the Lord, and in the Spirit where we worship and realize that there is a reason for this season. All I can tell you is, there is something God wants to draw from your life. And it may be a story, it may be a testimony, it may be a piece of art, it might be a song, it might be a poem or a sculpture, it might be something you build with your hands. God is wanting to bring something from you that would not come otherwise. And my friend, the breakthrough is not getting the check in the mail. It's not closing on the house. It's not getting the promotion. It's not even our child coming back to church or the test results coming back negative. It's the realization that he is with you before all that happens and that he has never left you at all. There is a reason for this season. So today, if you're going through a winter season, I'm going to invite you to resist seasonal affective disorder and to choose, forget how you feel, to choose to worship the Lord 
who will put something in you and bring something out of you if you will just remain in him. As the band leads us in this song, I'm going to ask us to stand. I want to invite you to reach out and worship the Lord in the midst of your season. Stop looking at numbers right now. No numbers. No matter how much you owe, no matter what number seems to be fixated on your mind, I want you to let it go and I want you to think about the Lord Jesus who is bigger than all the numbers. I want you to focus on him and make the choice to be in the spirit. Who knows what God might want to reveal to you about himself. So as we sing, let's make that choice today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.